So we often hear like, well, you know, we'd like to apply or for an Energy Star certification, or we consider taking the Energy Star challenge, but you know, we don't have the capital to, to make the upgrades that will enable us to get that kind of recognition. And what I try to point out to people is that there are a lot of energy efficiency gains that can be made through operations and management activities that do not involve large capital costs. Uh, often are involved no costs or are more low cost expense type items. Welcome to Scent Slice Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Atchley, editor of Baking and Snack. In today's episode, we are talking all things Energy Star with Walt Tennyson, Energy Star National Manager at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Many baking companies have benefited from the Energy Star program and its tools, including Bimbo Bakeries USA, Arista, Flowers Foods, and the Bama Companies. Walt talks about the different ways the Energy Star program can help bakeries stay on track with their sustainability goals, and he sets the record straight on some common energy-saving misconceptions. Welcome to Scent Slice Bread, Walt. Thank you for having me. So to get us started, Walt, can you tell me about your work with the EPA and the Energy Star program? So the Energy Star program is a non-regulatory voluntary program uh, that was established by the EPA back in 1990 uh, to find ways to reduce environmental impacts from energy use by encouraging energy efficiency. And I think most people know Energy Star from their personal lives, maybe from a logo you've seen on your computer or on your refrigerator. But the Energy Star program actually works with pretty much every segment of the economy, uh, including homes, uh, buildings like office buildings, hospitals, schools, and also industrial facilities. And I work on the industrial side of the program, and I have the opportunity to work with a wide variety of different types of manufacturing companies, uh, which includes food processors and baking. And what my role is, is to basically lead initiatives with different industries to develop tools and to identify and share best practices to promote energy efficiency. So for the baking sectors, and and by baking sectors uh, within Energy Star, where we work with has been the cookie and cracker baking segment, and then also the, the sort of large commercial bread and roll bakeries. And so these are the these are when I'm going to refer to baking. I'm just going to refer to both of these industries as a whole. And our approach with these sectors to encourage energy efficiency is to develop an energy efficiency benchmarking and rating tool known as an energy performance indicator. Uh, and what that does is it's a tool that allows bakery managers to compare the energy efficiency of their bakery against their peer bakeries uh, in the U.S. and Canada. And we also use the Energy Efficiency Performance Indicator, which we call an EPI, to also determine eligibility for Energy Star certification. So it's a really, it's a real critical tool for our program. uh, And it's also a really useful tool for bakery managers to to understand the efficiency of their plants. We also offer recognition uh, to bakeries that qualify for energy certification or achieve another recognition program that we have that's called the Energy Star Challenge for Industry. And to help people, you know, either achieve the challenge or to improve their performance in order to qualify for Energy Star certification, uh, we also share best practices and strategies for improving energy efficiency through better energy management. 
So we provide guidance, uh, we provide a variety of tools, and then also for companies that join as Energy Star partners, we provide some coaching support for those companies to basically develop a stronger energy management program. So those are the main ways that we help support uh, energy efficiency in, in the baking sector, as well as other you know, food processing and manufacturing sectors that we work with. So I do want to get into the Energy Star certification and the challenge, but first I was curious, in your work with wholesale bakers, what are some misconceptions you've encountered about what it takes to make a bakery more energy efficient? Well, probably the most common one we hear is we've already done everything. Uh, And that usually lets me know that that person or organization thinks that energy efficiency is really just about doing a few projects here and there. Uh, But improving your energy efficiency is is really more than just maybe doing a lighting upgrade or maybe a larger project with your ovens. Uh, It really involves energy management. Uh, and having a more programmatic approach that promotes a continuous improvement mindset. So, and you know, improving energy efficiency is kind of like improving and maintaining quality. It's something you have to be on top of all the time, and you really need to, you know, have metrics and other things in place to, to monitor how you're doing. Now, the other thing that people often think is that energy efficiency gains can really only be realized through large capital projects. So we often hear like, well, you know, we'd like to apply or for Energy Star certification, or we consider taking the Energy Star challenge, but you know, we don't have the capital to to make the upgrades that will enable us to get that kind of recognition. And what I try to point out to people is that there are a lot of energy efficiency gains that can be made through operations and management activities that do not involve large capital costs, uh, often are involve no costs, or are more low cost expense type. Items And what we see is that most, pretty much most industrial plants in the United States, including food processors and bakeries, can generally reduce their energy costs by 10% or more just by optimizing existing equipment and through better O&M practices. So there, there's a lot of energy savings there. And that brings me to another misconception that we hear quite a bit is that only big companies can afford to have an energy management or sustainability and to that, I would say it's really, it's really a matter of scale. I, I have worked with some companies that, you know, have two plants and, you know, and have actually very good energy management approaches and practices and, and, and a program. And it's really just because they've figured out the right person to assign that activity to uh, within their organization. They've made uh, energy management a priority uh, and they've established some goals and they've gotten the leadership of the organization to support the activities. And so, you know, it's not something that's just a big company thing. It's about really scaling your energy program for the size of your organization. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, Energy Star works with companies to try to figure out. So there's the Energy Star certification program. And then there's the Energy Star Challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about how those two are different and why a company might pursue one over the other? Yes. So the Energy Star certification or the, you know, when you see that little blue logo on something, what that indicates is that your refrigerator or that bakery is the most energy efficient of its kind uh, in the U.S. or in, in Canada. And so in order to be able to qualify for 
the Energy Star certification, you have to use our energy performance indicator to rate your energy performance. And you have to score in the top quartile, which we, another way to look at this is we, we, we actually score uh, bakeries on a scale of one to 100, with 100 being the best and one being not so good. Uh, if you score a 75 or higher, which would put you in the top quartile, then you qualify for Energy Star certification. So it's a it's a pretty hard bar to achieve, and it's something that not every bakery in the United States is going to achieve because usually it's only about the uh, you know the top twenty five percent of all bakeries in the country are going to qualify for Energy Star certification. So if there were hundred bakeries in the U.S. at any given time, really only about twenty five percent are going to qualify because they would have to demonstrate that they're the most efficient. So for bakeries that uh, do not necessarily qualify for energy star certification, or maybe you're actually not a bakery, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're a miller uh, and you produce flour and we don't have an energy performance indicator for you. You could take the energy star challenge for industry, which recognizes facilities that reduce their energy intensity by 10% within five years or less. So it's really a, uh, it's like a self-improvement program. You, you pledge that you're going to do this. Uh, you sign up with us. And if you track your performance over time, and then if you are able to reduce your uh, energy intensity by, by that amount, uh, then you can apply for recognition from the US EPA. So, so one is really a best in class. That's the Energy Star certification. But it's harder to achieve because it's limited to just those that are most efficient. Uh, and the other is really like a, a self-improvement program, like you're, we're getting better. And, and you can take the Energy Star Challenge multiple times. So in fact, uh, we have seen facilities that didn't qualify for Energy Star certification initially uh, participate in the challenge as a way to motivate their plants. Uh, and they have brought up their level of performance uh, to a point where they're able to qualify. I've always been curious about the certification. Is that something that bakeries have to constantly reapply for to show that they are continuing to be the most energy efficient? Or is that something that's a one and done? No, you have to apply every year. So, you know, it's intended again. So, you know, energy management is a continuous improvement activity, right? And so you need to be, you know, monitoring your progress, seeing how you're doing, tracking your performance and benchmarking either against yourself or against your, your peers. And so Energy Star certification is designed that you benchmark yourself annually uh, to see whether or not you qualify. So, you know, if you look on the Energy Star website where you can see which bakeries have achieved Energy Star certification, you can actually see for how many years they've achieved it. And there's some that have, you know, are achieving it every year. And then there's others that may drop out uh, for, what, for one reason or another. Usually the biggest reason why a facility would not qualify for Energy Star certification if they had achieved it in the past. And also uh, one of the biggest challenges that bakeries that are applying for Energy Star certification may face is that in order to really achieve a high level of energy performance, using our tools, which are based on energy intensity, because that's the measure we use for efficiency, uh, your production has to be at a fairly high level. So if your plants are operating at production levels that are below what they were designed for, uh, then you're not likely to score high on our Energy Star energy performance indicator. 
uh, because there's a certain amount of fixed load energy that's required to uh, to operate the plant. And whether you're at 50% production or 100% production capacity, that energy is going to be there. So the more product you're making, the better you're going to look. So for some of these facilities right now, during the pandemic, that may be really running uh, all out, right? Uh, their energy intensity numbers are probably looking pretty good uh, because it's, you know, they're producing a lot of product with, you know, the same amount of energy that they may have been producing to produce maybe 75% in the past. Right. Or if your customer base is mostly restaurants and you're operating at like 60% capacity, it might, your numbers might not be so hot right now. That's right. And we have heard from uh, facilities uh, that are very much in the uh, the restaurant business and, and, and another sector I work with that, uh, well, they make French fries. Uh, that industry has really been hit because, uh, you know, most of their sales were in the restaurant markets. And so, you know, we're not seeing those plants applying for uh, certification this year just simply because their production levels are down. So, you know, production is really key in efficiency because at the end right. of the day, it's all about optimization. So what are some of the other obstacles besides production that bakeries can encounter as they pursue the Energy Star certification or the challenge? So, uh, you know, for certification, I think that the main the main the main challenge that people might run into is uh, is whether or not they they have all the data. Um, sometimes I'm surprised that you know I hear from from companies they they don't have uh, maybe they might have the energy data but they don't have the production data and so that's that's going to be a challenge right there. Uh, beyond that, we don't see that many other bigger challenges for certification like we see in some other industries where their compliance history with the US EPA is not so good. So in order to get Energy Star certified, you have to pass a compliance screen uh, because in order for uh, EPA to give you that kind of award, uh, we have to make sure you haven't you know, had a major violation of the Clean Air Act. And bakeries, while there are some bakeries that may have had some minor incidences with VOCs, they don't usually stack up to a major violation of the Clean Air Act like we may see in, a, say, a petroleum refinery or pulp and paper mill. So that, that's really not so much the issue. It's really often more on the uh, data availability. And also, uh, some uh, companies might not have a... Uh, a professional engineer that they work with, either on staff or maybe consulting. So for the uh, verification, there is a third, essentially like a third-party verification of your energy data that is required. You have to have a professional engineer uh, certify that the data is accurate. And so some people uh, may not have a P on staff and uh, are not sure how to find someone to do that. And, and that's actually, again, that's an area where, where Energy Star can help. We actually have Energy Star partners, engineers and Energy Star partner companies who've actually done pro bono certifications for other companies, but partly just because they find it interesting as an energy professional. So, you know, that is actually something that we, we, again, we can help you with. For the challenge for industry, I think probably the biggest, the biggest issue that I have seen is that sometimes you get companies that uh, sign up for the challenge uh, and they may sign up at a corporate level as part of a initiative and, you know, maybe somebody leaves uh, and they, uh, they lose track of monitoring their performance over time. 
And that's really a breakdown of their energy management practices. And, and that's, you know, that's actually why we offer this program is because part of the objective of, of, of taking the Energy Star Challenge is to help sites maintain their focus on tracking their energy performance. And, you know, and I think in the U.S., most of us are familiar with like challenges and that we sort of like the sports uh, yes. you know, kind of goal, like, Hey, you know, we want to be as good as our competitors or better and right, we want right. to rise to the challenge. And so you, you kind of get that. And, you know, uh, and so if you can leverage that to just get your facilities folks to, to keep, you know, keep a tab on their energy performance over time. Uh, you know, I think if, as long as you're taking some steps to then improve your performance, uh, you'll, you, you're on a good track to achieve the challenge. Uh, assuming your production doesn't go down downhill, but that's one of the biggest. Uh, that's when I when we follow up with companies to find out, like, hey, uh, we noticed that you didn't achieve the challenge. Can you tell us why? I would say about seventy percent of the facilities that we talked to, it was simply they just lost track, it's turnover in staff. In some cases, even didn't even know they had even signed up. Uh, it's just that lack of attention to uh, energy management. So as a baking company might be looking to get into the Energy Star program, or maybe they're pursuing it already, how might the facility's age impact its ability to meet Energy Star status? Because the baking industry has been around for a long time, and a lot of these facilities are old. Right. So vintage is a question that does come up quite a bit, uh, not just in, uh, in the baking sector, but in other industries as well. Uh, and what I have seen is that Facility age alone is not always a determinant of a plant is efficient. Uh, how the plant is operated and maintained is often is, is actually often more important. So it's not uncommon actually to see older plants that have been optimized and are operating more efficient uh, than newer plants. Uh, I've been in uh, a state of the art plant that you know had every single latest greatest sort of technology in it. Uh, it was designed to be efficient. Uh, that actually wasn't performing very well. And, and the main reason why is uh, they were not actually at their full production capacity. Uh, so, you know, you can run into that problem. Uh, you can also install new equipment, but if you don't commission it properly and maintain it, uh, you're not going to realize the savings as well. Whereas you might have an older facility with uh, a maintenance crew and facility department that really understands that plant maybe, uh, you know, really tuned in to how to optimize it. And that facility might actually operate really well. So vintage, you know, sometimes you can, you can get into situations where your equipment is just so old and inefficient that, you know, no matter what you do, it's not going to, it's not going to be better. But as a rule of thumb, I would say it's not always the case that, you know, the newest, greatest plant is always going to be the best. Uh, it's really, you know, it's really how you operate it. Uh, an analogy, you know, that I think of all the time is, uh, you know, you can go out and you can buy yourself the, the nicest uh, carbon fiber road bike there is and spend thousands of dollars. But if you're not in shape, it's not going to make, you're not going to be any faster, right? So, um, you know, so how you operate things, that sort of fitness uh, of, of the facility is actually really important. And sure, you know, there are some things you can do to improve things to replace in a day equipment. But again, it's, it's how it's managed. It really, really has a big impact. 
Thanks for listening to Since Sliced Bread. We wanted to take a short break and tell you about our February issue, which is available now. In this issue, you can read all about the results of our latest capital spending survey and learn about the rebranding of the bakery companies to Crown Bakeries. There's also a deep dive into the world of prebiotics and postbiotics and best practices for keeping your employees safe during the pandemic. You'll find all of this and more at bakingbusiness.com. But first, let's get back to the conversation. So Dan Malavaney wrote an article for the December issue of Baking and Snack at the end of 2020 about energy management, and he spoke to you for that story. And you mentioned the Treasure Hunt Initiative. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and how it's helping bakeries achieve energy efficiency? Yeah, so treasure hunts are a uh, they're, they're they're a really good tool, and really, what it is is it's a simplified uh, simplified kaizen event, and or another way to think of it is it's a rebranded energy audit. So you know, for years in the energy efficiency space, uh, people have gone in and done energy audits. It usually involved outside experts coming in to walk around the plant and basically point out all the things that, you know, were wrong with it, right? right? And the problem with that approach is that it makes the folks working in the facilities very defensive. Uh, they're not bought into the process. They often are very concerned when outsiders come in that there maybe there's another reason why they're there uh, and say they may not actually want to even be forthcoming about maybe ideas or suggestions or things they know could be better. So Toyota, uh, which is a company that a lot of people know has had a really strong focus on continuous improvement, you know, they had this problem too. Uh, And, you know, and they had a problem with even using the word Kaizen because it was, you know, sort of a foreign concept to facilities in say the United States. So what they did was they, they came up with a name called Treasure Hunt. Let's go out and look for treasure because, you know, what they're looking for is energy cost savings, right? So it's like treasure. And what they found was that the the process of one, making it less threatening and two, involving the operators and people at the facility uh, in part of the process. And of course, bringing in some energy experts to help quantify and assess what energy saving opportunity might be. But that process of, of, of using the plant people, bringing in some outside experts, and doing it in a way that is very positive, you know, not focused on blame, focusing on the opportunities. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you do this, you, you have the plant people report what they found to the plant management who you ask to then say, okay, what which projects or which activities do you want us to pursue? They found that that process was incredibly uh, productive. Uh, and they shared that with other Energy Star companies as part of our broader Energy Star partner network. And other companies in, the, uh, in our network started implementing it. And we started seeing companies finding 15, 20, 30% reductions in energy intensity with through oh, non-capital wow. projects. Now it depends on the industry, but they were having a lot of success. And so what we did was we uh, basically took the Toyota approach, wrote some guidance around it, 
uh, and put that out there for other companies to use. And then last year, we uh, you know we really wanted to get more people doing this. Uh, you know, it's it's I think it's taken off in the industrial sector a lot, but we wanted to get uh, non-industrial companies out there and, and actually more like food processing companies included in that. So we 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 launched an initiative which we call uh, Find the Treasure in Your Facility, where we ask people. If you do a treasure hunt, uh, share share some of your results with us. Like, how much did you find? And uh, and in return, we'll we'll send you a certificate and put a little profile up on our website. So uh, that that was something we launched uh, last year. We had some uh, some great participation by a number of companies. Actually, uh, BBU uh, participated in there, and you can see actually some of the results of theirs. Uh, Treehouse uh, actually they did. Uh, something like 26 treasure hunts in the course of 12 months, which I think is a oh, wow. all-time record. And uh, and they had a lot of, and, and these companies have had a lot of success with this approach because not only are they finding, you know, low cost operational type energy savings opportunities, um, but they're also training people uh, in the plants on how to look for energy savings. So they're building their energy teams uh, and they're getting people on board uh, sort of uh, with the idea of creating what we we called it like an energy efficiency culture. So you've got a safety culture, right? right? So why not start building an energy or sustainability culture where people are always walking around saying, "Hey, we could do we could do a better job of this." Uh, and then part of what we do is uh, you know we offer recognition. So if you're you're doing a treasure hunt and you share the findings, you know we'll send you a certificate. But that's something that you know can help folks at the plant. Um, feel good about themselves. It can help to uh, bring some greater visibility to the activity within the company. Uh, and at the end of the day, it can help make sure that those projects get implemented. So we have a lot of resources on our website. Uh, they're all free. Your your taxpayer dollars are paid for it, so go use them. Uh, it's uh, energystar.gov treasure hunts. I love that idea that just that simple tweak of looking at it as a treasure hunt instead of this outsider coming in and pointing out all the things you're doing wrong completely changes the way the bakery operators respond to this and that it can become such an opportunity for, like you said, building culture and also saving a ton of just cost on energy and just make the plant that much more efficient. And now we're seeing uh, companies use the same approach for for safety, for uh, waste. And I, th- I think uh, I was talking to Leslie Abadayo from BBU. I think he said they are even now bringing quality into it. So, you know, it's I think it's been a very uh, it's been a good approach and it just shows you the power of words. Right. What are some things that bakeries commonly discover on those treasure hunts? Yeah, so I mean, the the big one everyone always finds are compressed air leaks. Uh, it's it's they're ongoing. Uh, I call it the uh, the diabetes of industrial inefficiency. It's like a chronic problem. <laughs> you have to monitor it all the time, uh, and so that's that's constant. Uh, you know, finding equipment that's operating that you don't need running, uh, particularly during non production periods, is another one. Uh, maybe changing set points in places where people have quote fine tuned them and, you know, maybe they meant to turn it back and never did. Um, there's often a lot of uh, like in conveyor systems, there's often uh, 
you know, they're designed to be uh, super reliable. And so they put in extra motors, uh, which you may or may not actually need all the time. You know, that's something that I've heard people look at uh, as a way to, you know, reduce some electrical energy use. Uh, Boiler tune-ups, you know, those are things, boilers or something. If you got boilers, uh, you need to keep up on them and make sure they're tuned up. Fixing insulation. I mean, the list goes on. There's, there's a, it, you know, it, it's a lot of little things, uh, and they, but they can add up, and it doesn't cost a whole lot to to address and fix these issues. You know, for lower cost things, uh, LED lighting is big, and often utilities, uh, your utility electrical provider is offering incentives. Also, with uh, motors too and fans, some of that stuff you can often get incentives and rebates for, so that can bring down the cost of those projects or even, even still they have a pretty low payback. And then we also hear about people using treasure hunts to uh, identify bigger projects. They may not implement them right away, but they might get it on the radar scheme. So using things like recovering heat from the ovens, uh, can you use that heat in the proofing boxes, uh, things like that. So uh, it's all over the place. And, um, you know, it, it can range by uh, site by site. And I will say that, uh, you know, in sites where there hasn't been as much focus on energy management, you're probably going to find more opportunities. But, you know, if you if you talk to uh, some of the companies that have been doing these regularly, they say they go back, you know, at least every year or every couple of years just to double check and they, they always find something. As Walt explained, treasure hunts are a great way to not only find opportunities for energy savings, but also a way to get the entire team on board with sustainability. The COVID-19 pandemic, however, have made these a little more complicated to execute. Among the many resources on the Energy Star website is a tip sheet for adapting these treasure hunts to COVID-19 safety protocols. For example, Many of the planning phases for the treasure hunt can be done remotely. On-site treasure hunts should be conducted in smaller teams with follow-up meetings being done virtually. Treasure hunts don't have to be put on hold because of the pandemic. All it takes is a little more planning and communication. So I know looking at the list of bakeries that are involved in the Energy Star program, it's pretty impressive. You've already mentioned Beanbow Bakeries USA, Treehouse Foods. We know Flowers Foods is super involved in this, um, Weston Foods. Why is the baking industry so active in Energy Star and what drives companies to achieve that status? Well, I think the, uh, the, the baking industry has uh, really recognized that sustainability uh, is something that their customers care about. But it's also something that is is good for their good for the operations of their business, right? And and so that kind of coming together, I, I think what I've seen in the baking industry is that you know, and I don't always see this in other food processing industries, to be honest. Uh, but in the baking industry, I think people just see like this makes a lot of sense, right? There's no reason why we shouldn't do these things, and you know, it's it's something that we also need to do. Uh, in order to be competitive. So, you know, certainly having uh, major customers like McDonald's and Walmart uh, asking questions about what you're doing on energy and climate uh, gets people's attention. But I also think that the industry, rather than become really defensive, 
which I have seen in, you know, I have seen that in other industries has really said, well, let's look and see at this. Let's take a look at this and see what's in it for us. And, uh, and I think what people have realized is, Hey, you know, that we can save money. Uh, this can be important for our reputation and that's important for employee retention. People want to work at a company they feel good about, uh, or recruiting new people. Uh, and obviously it's, it's important for maintaining our relationships with our customers. And as customers become more concerned about the operating practices of the companies they buy products from, particularly, you know, food products, um, having a good message to be able to tell around uh, sustainability uh, is, is important. And the ability to partner with programs like Energy Star that have a lot of credibility in this space, uh, I think, you know, the smart companies have really gotten on board. And so I, I think that's part of why we've seen this with the baking industry. The, uh, the American Baking Association has also been very supportive. We've had a really excellent relationship uh, with that group. And, um, and all these things, I think, have really uh, been the ingredients uh, for the success. So, Walt, as we wrap up our conversation, I just wanted to know, how can bakeries ensure that their sustainability programs are successful and that they're meeting their goals? What are some best practices you would recommend? Well, having your senior management support your, your sustainability and energy program is, you know, is really fundamental. And so maintaining that support, making sure your program stays visible uh, and you engage your management, both in terms of communicating up the chain to them, but also getting them to you know, celebrate your accomplishments is, is really important because that sets a tone uh, across the entire organization. And, and it makes it more difficult for you know, people who have other priorities to, uh, to, ignore, to ignore the sustainability and, and energy people when they come, come knocking. And building, you know, like I, we were talking about with the treasure hunts, it builds that culture around efficiency or sustainability. You know, building that into your organization, uh, getting everyone to see that they've got a role is also really important. You should not look at energy management as, you know, one person's job. It's a team sport. You need lots of different people involved. You may have one or two people who are maybe experts or have a lot more experience in the in this, you know, technical side of energy management. But at the end of the day, you need a lot of other people involved. So you need it to be part of your organization's culture. Goals are very important, uh, you know, and, and how you set them can vary, but just having a, a goal uh, keeps, again, everybody focused on trying to do their part. Uh, and to that, you know, to that end, pursuing recognition from programs like Energy Star can be really supportive because, you know, it, it helps to increase the visibility uh, Energy Star is a very, very uh, well-recognized brand uh, in in North America, and so you know, being able to leverage some of that to bring it back to your own work, you know, gets people's attention. And so, I really would not discount the the value that recognition programs provide in terms of supporting your program, and then getting getting involved with programs like Energy Star. I mean, if you are that person in your company that is going to be the sort of the energy person. Uh, that's supposed to provide the, the uh, you know, some of the technical stuff, get involved with a network where you can learn new ideas uh, and, and talk to other people. Uh, in the Energy Star program, as I mentioned before, you know, we're a government program. There's no cost to participate. Uh, if you're in Canada, you know, there's a Canadian version as well. 
uh, and we coordinate together. But there's a network of people uh, who are, you know, part of this industrial energy management uh, network that are very supportive of one another and, you know, share ideas uh, and you can learn ideas from people outside your industry as well. Uh, and I would say, you know, take advantage of it. You've already paid for it. Uh, and so why not, you know, why not use it? And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So talking to people is a great way to find out what you could do. That's awesome to hear. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate the support the EPA shows to the baking industry. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Since Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at sosland.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Since Sliced Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and drop us a review. Since Sliced Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Anna Weiber and Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Atchley.